Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. all. As you can hear from my voice, there's some allergens and maybe a little partying yesterday at the FC Cincinnati game. So I am a lower register today. Hopefully you can hear me. But we brought home the win. We worked hard. We worked hard in the stands for that one. Okay, so I am going to begin with a confession. And it's funny that both my family members are not in the room at the moment because it involves them. Don't tell. Okay. It's hard for me to ask for help. And I didn't realize I was doing it, but my daughter and my husband have graciously told me that I have developed a really bad passive aggressive habit. So when I need something, I don't, I don't wanna burden them by like asking them. I'm just gonna like say it out loud, like I'm doing the dishes because no one else did. And then maybe if they're like, oh, I should help you, I should do that. And then, then I think like, that's, that's nice. And they look at me and they're like, that's annoying. And you should just ask. So this is my public confession. I'm sorry. You can tell our daughter I said sorry too. So I'm working on that. I'm working on asking. Maybe you're like me. Uh, maybe not. But it seems like a lot of people out there are struggling to ask for help. And there is apparently three main categories of reasons why people don't ask for help according to some research. Number one, folks fear that asking for help will make them look incompetent or weak or inferior. Second group of people, they don't wanna be rejected. If you don't ask, no one can say no, right? And then the third group, that was me, uh, they're concerned that they're gonna be a burden on others so they don't ask. However, additional research, there's all kinds, but there is a new study published just this spring, even more evidence of why that line of thinking is a fallacy, because people are way more willing to help than we realize. Dr. Zhuen Zhao, a psychology researcher at Stanford, led the current study. There were several different experiments of like 2,000 different people, and two of the experiments were One, there was like 100 people out in public. They would try to ask if someone would take their photo and see how willing. And then if somebody said yes, then they would interview them afterward and say, why were you willing? What made you say yes? Were you hesitant? And the second group, um, they just invited a bunch of people to sit and dig into their feelings of thinking, when have you helped someone recently? And they had everybody from somebody writing a letter of recommendation, someone showing a person how to use a parking meter, um, helping a friend through a really bad romantic relationship. And they were just supposed to dig into like, why did you help that person? And how willing were you to do so? And all these different levels of help. And the results of all of these experiments showed overwhelmingly the majority of people, only four people said no to the photo, a majority of people want to help strangers or friends alike. But they don't always know what to do until someone asks. So Dr. Zhao said this, our research provides this comfort that you might be really underestimating how willing others are to help. 
the majority of help occurs only after a request has been made. People want to help, but they can't help if they don't know someone is suffering or struggling or what the other person needs and how to help effectively, or whether it is even their place to help. Perhaps they want to respect others' privacy or agency. A direct request can remove those uncertainties. And Dr. Zhao was motivated to do this research because she said she loves to help people and yet she watches so many people struggle to ask. And so she just wanted to try to give people data to try to say, look, it's okay. It's good to ask for help. This hesitancy is not a modern day problem. We are going to find it in ancient Israel today. We are in the second half of our series of Exodus, only a a couple more weeks left in Exodus. Yahweh, the Lord God, has brought his people Israel out of slavery, and he's teaching them how to be free people. And he's been working on them. Each week we've read something different. He's teaching them about gratitude and rest, and that was building their relationship with him. But last week and this week, we looked at Moses' life and realized God's also teaching them how to love each other. Last week, um, unexpectedly, the Amalekites attacked Israel. And the way that Israel was able to fight against this enemy was that Moses was holding up his hands and holding the staff. And he had friends who noticed his arms were drooping and and the battle was, was waning. And they realized, they saw in Moses, he needs our help. And so we talked last week the importance of looking around and noticing when people need help. But this week, Moses is going to have to learn that he also has to speak up. So we're going to be in Exodus chapter 18. It's page 53 in the Pew Bible, or we're going to put the words on screen. And I'm going to begin reading for us in verse 2. After Moses had sent away his wife Zipporah, his father-in-law Jethro received her and her two sons. One was named Gershom, for Moses said, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. And the other was named Eliezer, for he said, my father's God was my helper. He saved me from the sword of Pharaoh. We're gonna pause here, dig into Moses' family a little bit because we haven't really talked about the family structure for him in a while. Recall that Moses grew up in the house of Egypt. He was adopted as a royal child, and then he had to watch his adopted people oppressing his birth people, the Israelites. And so we realized that when he was called back to go speak to Pharaoh, apparently he made sure his wife and his sons were protected. He said, stay with your dad, and I just wanna know you're safe, right? And so he went off to speak to Pharaoh to deal with all those plagues, and he saved his family from having to experience that. So that's, we know now because they're coming to visit him. So also seeing this family come back, we're reminded that Moses spent 40 years out in the wilderness as a shepherd, and now he's shepherding God's flock. And when we look at the name of his two sons, we, were, we only met one before, back when he was in Midian. He named his first son, like, I'm a foreigner in a foreign land. It reflected that his conflicting identity, who am I? Am I Egyptian? Am I an Israelite? Am I a Midianite now? Like he just had all this conflict, we, we assume. And here his second son was named, my father's God was my helper, Yahweh. So he's claiming his father being in Israel. So he's got this, this connection now, like he's saying who he is identifying with, 
the Israelites. Now we recall that Zipporah, his wife, and all her family, Jethro, her dad, they're all from Midian. They are not Israelites. Actually, the the Midianites were a little bit networked in, in some kind of friendship with the Amalekites who just attacked Israel, so that's not good. But because of this relationship, from here on out, we realize that Jethro's crew um, has a friendship with Israel from here on. Now we skipped verse one, which did say that Jethro was a priest in Midian. So he is some sort of leader among his people. And that's gonna uh, help us to look what's next. Verse five, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' sons and wife, came to him in the wilderness where he was camped near the mountain of God. We're gonna talk about this mountain next week. This is Mount Sinai. You might've heard of this before. Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down, kissed him. They greeted each other and went into the tent. And then Moses told his father-in-law about everything, the Lord, we see the Lord all caps, Yahweh, that's his name, had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake, about all the hardships they had met along the way, how Yahweh had saved them. Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel. He said, praise be to Yahweh who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and Pharaoh, who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that Yahweh is greater than all other gods for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. Then Jethro brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God and Aaron came with all the elders of Israel and they ate a meal in the presence of God. So here he is, he is a priest in his own tribe. So he's, he maybe does the sacrifices for other gods. But here he's saying, I recognize that Yahweh, as you're telling me all these stories, I see that Yahweh is the Lord God. And so therefore he says, I'm gonna sacrifice to this God who you've, you've told me about, who you've shown me. So that's a powerful thing. This peace here, this meal together, it's, it's like our glimpse, our first glimpse of what God is wanting to do for all nations. God has never been just about Israel, but back in Genesis, God told Abraham, the ancestor of all the Israelites, he said, I'm gonna bless all the nations through you. So here, as the people grew from a family into a nation, God is still saying, Israel, I wanna teach you how to look like me, live like me, be in relationship with me, because then I want you to show other people how it's done. And already we we see Jethro, he's been affected. The Midianites now will be impacted because Jethro has learned of this relationship with Yahweh. And God is opening that door to all nations. Verse 13, the next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you're doing for them? Why do you sit alone as judge while all the people stand around you from morning till evening? Sounds tiring. Moses answered, because the people come to me and seek God's will. And whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me. I decide between the parties and form them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. 
want to let that sit for a second. The work is too heavy. Even though Moses did some amazing things, he's not supposed to do it alone. Moses now needs to learn the same principle that we were just talking about in that study. Like, ask for help. It's good. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to say, you can lean on other people. And then then Moses gets some rest. And it says the whole community is going to wear themselves out. So as Yahweh has already been teaching them about, about Sabbath, when we talked about manna, you know, they were supposed to, to not go out on the Sabbath. And God has been trying to teach them all about rest. And here he's like, Moses, you're the leader. You need rest too. This is required for you. But you're going to have to ask for help. So let's finish up as Jethro continues to give this advice. Listen to me now and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees, his instructions. Show them the way they're to live, how they're to behave. But select capable people from all. Men who fear God, trustworthy, who hate dishonest gain. Appoint them as officials over thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases, they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and these people will go home satisfied. So Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. This is, this is really great wisdom here. You know, he's... Jethro is looking and saying, look, there's some other people out there who have leadership capacity among you. God has given them some amazing gifts. Let them use their gifts right alongside you. You don't have to be the only one up there. It's not just you. There's a plurality of leadership you can have. And he's like, hold on to those things that only you can do, but delegate, mentor, teach other people how they too can serve. And that way they're honoring God. You know, God has put gifts and skills and we read throughout the Bible it's like we're supposed to use what God's given us this gives other people an opportunity Moses didn't have to do it all now here's oh I like the way uh, Nahum Sarna summed it up Jethro was saying that Moses should be the court of last resort he's just like you're the one at the very end if they really can't figure it out I just like that it was remind um but if we look back at verse 23 notice that Jethro says, this is what God so commands this. So he's basically saying, yeah, he's a, he's a Midianite priest who just fell in love with God. And he's like, and God's talking to me already through you. God commands this. This is wisdom from God. You should listen. So that is a big deal. It might seem really small. But we just said all the ways that Yahweh was like, Israel, you're going to go and you're going to be a blessing to all the nations and teach them about me. But here, he's like, eh, sometimes the nations are going to come bless you too. Sometimes the wisdom of God has implanted in some other locations, and they're going to speak into Israel. And this is that first example here. So the bottom line is, is like when God has wisdom, and we see wisdom in the world, godly wisdom can, can show up in a bunch of places. Maybe there's times when you listen to the Beatles song we had playing called Help. <laughs> 
that maybe there's some wisdom that comes through songs that we label secular or TV books or movies or whatever. There's ways that we can seek out and we find wisdom. God can speak through a lot of things. And so here he spoke through Jethro. And it just feels like that God can speak to and through anyone, anyone who's willing. Jesus offered this same reminder that God wasn't just for Israel. When Jesus lived on earth, he said in John chapter six, everyone the father gives me will come to me. I will never send anyone away who comes to me. My father wants all who look to the son and believe in him to have eternal life. I will raise them up on the last day. Yahweh is the same throughout time. And just as he opened the invitation to Jethro to follow him and to also speak for him, Jesus says, you come to me, we're gonna gonna live like God together. The father wants this. But he did have a caveat. And he says in Luke 9, whoever wants to follow me must say no to themselves. They must pick up their cross every day and follow me. It's like, it's a life of sacrifice. It's not selfish to follow Jesus. So Jethro had a, had a, he had some new standards to live by from here on out. But that's okay. We're invited to do the same. We're invited to meet with Jesus and to live like Jesus. So let's go back to Jethro's words of wisdom. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. It's something we still need to hear. I kept reading that verse in all these different versions this week because each one kind of like the different wording struck me in a different way. And we posted on uh, social media this, the message version. This way is too much for you. You can't do it alone. This is way too much. And so I just need to hear that every day. Maybe you do too. Last week, we just said we're, we're gonna look around and we're gonna care about other people's needs. But also... We need, to, we need to ask for help when it gets too much, when no one's noticed us yet, when no one's noticed the need, just speak up. It's okay. Now, we just said that when Jesus called people to follow him and to be able to speak about God and speak for God, that they're supposed to live selfishly. So you think, well, asking for help seems kind of selfish. But here, one final piece of the study by Dr. Zhao, it revealed that helping others is actually healthy for humans. Helping other people offers emotional strength. Dr. Zhao said, helping can create a closeness when you realize someone is willing to be vulnerable with you and you develop a sense of trust and a deeper relationship when they ask you for help. You work toward a shared goal together. Helping others also actually reduces stress hormones. So our our physical bodies feel better when we help. They were talking about, there's some people who labeled it a helper's high, like you feel good after you help someone. And so many of us look around and we think we don't know how to help. So if others are willing to be specific and say, here's how you can help, it's a great team. It's a great teamwork here. And if you would like emotional and physical benefits for other people to feel good, then ask them for help. You're doing them a blessing as well. You're not being selfish. We're, we're meant to be together. We're made to live in community. Yahweh didn't make individual people and send them separately in the world. He kept bringing people together, even people who are different from different nations. He keeps bringing people together because it matters that we live in community. This is way too much for you. 
You can't do it alone. So now that you're convinced that you should ask for help, let's talk about three ways that you can do it. We don't want it to be scary. We're gonna give you three specific ways to ask for help. Release, delegate, and mentor, okay? So first of all, release. That means if you recognize that the work is too heavy for you and someone notices and comes and asks you how they can help, then give them an answer. Release that to them and be honest. And they'll, they'll probably say yes. That's what we've learned. Uh, be specific as you can. If you need something, if you need, need a ride, you need a babysitter, you need help on a, on a project, like just ask. We're living in community as a church in order to care for one another as a family. So call on somebody here or reach out to, to Dylan and me and Shante and we'll be like, oh, we know the right person. I know a person who has that skill and I will connect you. So, but when you do, you're releasing, right? You're saying, I can't carry this burden alone and I don't have to. That's like a, it's a specific choice you have to make to release that. Number two is to delegate. Like Moses, you might be in a situation where you are leading something and it's a really great project and there are some things that only you can do, but there are some other things that other people can do. And just like Moses was learning, God has given other people skills. So when you delegate, it gives them a chance to use those skills for something outside of themselves. So again, you're giving other people the chance to serve. And number three is mentor. Sometimes you'll hear somebody say, oh, I've always wanted to do that. And you're like, oh, I know how to do that. Or you look around and there's some amazing young people back here and some of our just younger generations. What's great is that they can help learn to have joy in serving others. We wanna to try to challenge our kids to learn. And some of the kids that come early, they're helping us put out signs. I'm like, come along with me. This is really great, it's heavy, let's carry it together. And kids are helping us set up in the mornings and they're getting the chance to say, look, this is what we do for each other. And they can find the joy in that. So especially as we look for young people, give them a chance to learn how to serve. Releasing, delegating, mentoring, these are life-giving concepts and I hope they don't seem as scary as just saying ask for help. You can see that it's, it's a blessing to do so. Help is holy. This is way too much for you. You cannot do it alone. We're living this life together. Let's live this out. And then this is an opportune time for me to promote what we're gonna try to encourage this summer. We are gonna have a summer of serving others. And we wanna serve people in our church and outside of our church. And our goal is we wanna make a list. We wanna make a list of needs that we know of and so this is your chance to practice it. You, we want you to serve and we also want you to be served. So we're gonna come around and we're gonna be like, hey, what do you need? Do you need pet sitting? Do you need someone to paint a room with you? Do you need, do you need a ride to the doctor? Like, we wanna make a list and then we wanna fulfill these needs. So that's gonna be our challenge this summer is we're gonna care for each other in here. We're gonna care for people outside of our building. So we're gonna all get the chance to notice needs and just ask for help. Every week, we end our service with a small meal. And today, let's just think about the fact that when we feel depleted, when we recognize that we're flawed and that others have harmed us, when we feel broken, we can go to Jesus for help. 
we remember his death and his resurrection, that we don't have to create eternal security ourselves. Jesus has done the work. We can turn to him for that help. And if you want to talk more about that, let's have a longer conversation about how Jesus brings us salvation and forgiveness and healing and help. So right now, let's have a meal together and let's think about the ways that Jesus shows up and brings us help, how he did it once for all time on the cross and in the empty tomb and how he shows up through other people every day. Will you pray with me? Yahweh, Lord God, thank you for giving us other people and thank you for reminding us that it's okay to lean on those other people that you've brought into our lives. Thank you for all the ways people have helped us this far and help us be willing, be brave, be vulnerable enough to ask for help in the days to come. You've made us to live in community. We thank you for making us a family through you, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 1030 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.